The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's a good question. How in the world is this guy, this Jesus Christ, going to give us his flesh to eat, his blood to drink, and yet still remain amongst us? How is he going to do both of those things? Well, thanks be to God for the genius of the divine being who figured out a way. Who figured out a way that he could offer up the eternal sacrifice to the Father in reparation for our sins. And through that very sacrifice... The presence of God amongst us, we can eat his flesh, we can drink his blood, and he still remains who he is and he transforms each of us. But on this Sunday, the thing that, uh, that should question our hearts, that should come into our minds, is this. Is our faith in the most holy Eucharist, that Jesus Christ is present body, blood, soul, and divinity under the species of bread and wine, is it strong enough to change us? Is it strong enough to challenge us? Is it strong enough to cause us to change how we act, how we think, how we speak? There once was a young man about 12 years old who was charged by the priest to take communion to someone who was dying. This young boy received the Eucharist, held it close to his heart, and ran off through the town. As he was running through the town, a group of boys caught him. They didn't like him in the first place, and they demanded what he held in his hand. This young boy knew that he could not give up what was in his hand to these young, other young boys because he knew they would desecrate our Lord Jesus Christ, so he refused. Because of that, they, be, then, they then began to beat him. He still refused to open his hand. They beat him to the point he died, all because he refused to give up the Eucharist. It wasn't even after his death they still couldn't pry his hand open, and it wasn't until the priest came to this, to this young boy, his name is Saint Tarsisius, that he finally opened his hand and gave up the Eucharist to the priest who he knew would keep control, keep track of it. You see, my brothers and sisters, Saint Tarsisius died because he knew it wasn't a piece of bread and it wasn't just some wine, but that was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was alive in the Roman Empire. Fast forward to communist China just a few decades ago. What they would do in communist China to try to destroy the churches, they would literally come in and destroy the church physically. They would kill or exile the priest or bishop. 
And they would take the Eucharist and just throw the Eucharist out on the ground to show their contempt. Well, one day they did this in such a church and the bishop was put on house arrest nearby. And he could see every host that had been thrown out onto the ground in this church. There was this young girl, she was about the age of 10 or 11, who knew about this. And she would come in, she'd sneak into this church every night. She would kneel down in front of the hosts. She would pray. And then she would kneel down and take one off the floor with her tongue to receive the Eucharist. She did this day after day, receiving only one host at a time because that's all they were allowed. She did this for about a month until the last day she received the last host from the ground, took care of our Lord Jesus Christ, but unfortunately knocked over a rock, was caught, and killed on the spot. She knew the risk and she knew that it was worth it because that wasn't just a piece of bread. That was our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity present amongst us. Someone whom we should be willing to die for. Do we believe enough to do the same as them? I could give you countless examples of men and women, boys and girls, who have all given up their lives to defend the reality of the Eucharist. But I fear that sometimes in America we get so used to it because we don't have problems showing up on Sunday to worship our God. We have the Eucharist readily present, available to us at all times. And it's kind of one of those things where perhaps God humbled himself a little bit too much because we become too used to it. We become too complacent around him. And indeed, my brothers and sisters, what often this does is it leads to a lack of gratitude. We find ourselves Sunday after Sunday just going through the motions, coming in, giving God our perfunctory sign of the cross, a little bit of bow or genuflection, and walking on. Are we willing to die for the God who is in that tabernacle? Are we willing to change our lives? Pope Benedict tells the story of one of his close friends who in communist Russia at the time, they also would exile or kill all the priests. And so this community of Catholics was without a priest for almost a decade. They would gather every Sunday secretly in churches or basements or houses or wherever. They would say the prayers of the Mass, but when it came to the time for the prayers of consecration, they would go silent and many of them would weep because they longed for the presence of their God but could not have him because they had no priests. Brothers and sisters, we have in our midst what 4,000 years of Jews longed for, the very presence of God amongst us. Do we fully understand what that means? Do we live out a faith that truly sees what the reality is there? My brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to a Benedictine monk in 2012. And in this locution, he told this monk, he said, I'm going to tell you the most grievous wound to my pierced sacred heart. One would think that it would be abortion or contraception or the destruction of families. But our Lord Jesus Christ said, no, it is the total indifference of my children towards my presence in the Eucharist. You can imagine, think about this, that it's Christmas, you haven't seen your family for a year, and you're just super excited about seeing them. You're sitting there in the house, and they're all starting to come in, and you're sitting right there by the door. And as everybody comes into the door, they simply, instead of embracing you with joy, instead of seeing you for the joy that they should have, they just say, hey, walk on by. Is this not sometimes an example of how we come into the church, how we come into our Lord's presence? We give him a little hey, we walk on by. Can we not renew our faith in the reality that God himself dwells in our midst? And how will this change? Well, I think we got a good example from St. Paul. Therefore, do not continue in ignorance, 
but try to understand what is the will of the Lord. So three major reasons why the Eucharist, why indifference to the Eucharist usually reigns in our hearts. First reason, unconfessed sin. You're probably really tired of hearing me say it, but I'm never going to stop saying it, so we might as well just get used to each other. If you haven't been to confession for a while, we need to get there. So often people avoid the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ because they know there's a sin they need to let go. And whenever they come into our Lord's presence, they feel judged, they feel like they're not worthy, they feel like all of these feelings that keep them from coming. Why not wipe all of that away in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the confession? Why not let him destroy that guilt and destroy those feelings so that you can come and rejoice in his presence? That's the power of a good confession. Even if it has to be week after week, let him forgive you, let him heal you, let him love you. Second major reason for indifference is ignorance. We just don't understand what is amongst us. And indeed, none of us in this church fully understands the mystery of the Eucharist. But when's the last time you learned something about the Mass or the Eucharist? When was the last time you read a book or an article that explained why we do what we do as Catholics in the Mass? Why does the priest do this motion at one point in the Mass? Why do we ring the bells? Why do we say what we say and do what we do? If we don't know, it's no wonder we kind of don't care. We have to know what we're doing in order to love it. You can't love what you don't know. So I'll be putting out a list of books and articles. You can go on forum.org. There's a whole series called Presence that talks about the Eucharist to hopefully enliven our understanding of what it is amongst us, God himself. Third, a lack of preparation and a lack of thanksgiving. Very often we find ourselves just going through the motions because perhaps how do we prepare ourselves for the holy sacrifice of the Mass? I loved one priest, he challenged us to put on our Sunday's best, and as you put on your Sunday's best, whatever that might be, for me at the time it was jeans and a t-shirt, because that literally was the nicest clothes I had in college at a few times. But as I put that on every weekend, I was preparing myself to go to Mass. How do we prepare ourselves? How do we show up to church? Do we try to make the sacrifice to get here on time, to stop and pause for a little bit of silent prayer before the Holy Sacrifice? to pay attention to what is about to happen on this altar. And how do we do at the end of Mass? At the end of Mass, do we simply just, the song is over, we stand up and head out of church? Or do we take a moment to pause, to think about and reflect on the very fact that we are living tabernacles of God himself? That when we receive the Eucharist, God himself dwells within your body and soul. Do we truly understand what that means? The way to understand it is to think about it, is to give thanks to God for that, especially at the end of Mass. I remember that when I was challenged to do that myself, and I knelt down after Mass those first couple of times as everybody's talking and walking out of the church, it truly started to change how I saw the Mass. Because it wasn't just about fulfilling some kind of obligation but it was about encountering the one who could fulfill the longing of my heart. So can we give thanks to God for the great gift he offers? So my brothers and sisters, does your faith in the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, is it strong enough to change your life? Is it strong enough to transform how you act, how you think, how you live? 
Can we allow the Most Holy Eucharist to inflame our hearts with that kind of faith? That if someone should threaten our Lord, we would give up our lives for him. May the Eucharist inflame our hearts so we might be united ever more fully to that pierced and sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be his instruments of mercy and peace in this world.